Welcome to Open Your Eyes, a podcast about opening our eyes to a new view of life. I hope you're having a great week. You know, I believe there are new and wonderful things waiting for you right now in your life, and I'm confident that if you can open your eyes to what those opportunities might be, you'll find your purpose in life or in your business and family. But seeing your life this way requires seeking this view intentionally. You know, the daily habit of feeding your mind, your view, your soul, is something that few people do, but it has the power to change you. So congratulations for using podcasts as a way to put on a new view of you. You know, the daily habit of listening to uplifting podcasts or reading uplifting things will bring unexpected good to your life. So I hope today, wherever you are, as you listen to this podcast, you can learn to think and live a bit better. And when you're done listening, please send the link to this podcast to a friend. They may need what you learn here today. Let's get started. Today, I'd like to talk about embracing the unexpected. According to the most recent census, there are more Samoans living in the United States than there are living in Samoa. And that's not because Samoa isn't an amazing place to live. It is. It consists of two large, beautiful islands and a number of smaller islands. And Samoans descended from the Lapita people who settled there, and they have similar roots to people in Tonga and Fiji. The largest concentration of Samoans that live in the U.S. are in Hawaii, then Los Angeles, San Francisco, and San Diego. In 1998, Lagi was born to Samoan parents who were living in Hawaii. At the age of eight, she moved with her mother, Avea Malo, to California. They didn't plan to move to California. They went there to visit her grandparents, but upon learning the grandparents were ill, they stayed and made it their home. Her mother worked hard to raise her daughter to reach her potential. In her early teenage years, Loggy was sitting around a lot. So her mother said, you're too tall to not be doing anything. And one day, her mother drove her to the school. Unbeknownst to Loggy, she was there to walk on to try out for the volleyball team. Then the basketball team. And as she grew, her coaches suggested she try track and field. And this was something she wasn't excited about at all. But her mother insisted. Loggy said to the coach, do I have to run? He told her, no, thinking she could be a good shot putter. Good, she said, sign me up. And the shot put kind of stuck. She was really good at it. Now, a woman's shot put is 8.8 pounds, about the same weight as a bowling ball. The world record for a shot put throw for women is 74 feet. Can you imagine throwing a bowling ball 74 feet? But throwing the shot put did a lot for Loggy. First, it gave her her purpose. Second, some identity. And third, a college scholarship. She committed to the University of Iowa before seeing the campus. And when she arrived, she told her mom, they have snow here. Loggy only had a light jacket, no coat for the harsh Iowa winters. But despite the cold in Iowa, she would turn to the discus throw. Now, in case you haven't ever thrown a discus, here's how it works. The disc, which weighs about 2.2 pounds, is about 7 inches in diameter, and nowadays it's made of carbon fiber. When thrown, it spins through the air and can almost take flight. The world record distance for the women's discus throw is 251 feet. Imagine throwing a discus almost 85 yards 
nearly the entire length of a football field. Well, Loggy was really good at throwing the discus. In her junior year at Iowa, she won the NCAA championship. Iowa's first track and field women's champion. Then the unexpected happened. In 2020, COVID sidelined many athletic competitions. She had worked so hard. Her senior year was going to define her, but it was an unexpected setback in life. Now, Loggie had a choice. She could quit or she could use the time to get stronger and better. And when the NCAA gave athletes the option to stay a year, she started working harder and better than ever before. In her fifth year in 2021, she walked away with top honors, having set school records in the shot put and discus. Then she had a decision to make. Would she try to pursue a professional career in the discus throw? A pro career for a world-class sprinter can be lucrative, but for a women's discus thrower, there's little money. Plus, the best throwers dominate the sport, leaving the rest of the competition relatively unknown. But given her success in college, everyone expected her to leap to the pro ranks and do well from the outset. And the next year, she qualified as a U.S. representative to the World Championships in Doha. Her expectations were that she would be as successful as a pro as she was as a college student. But she soon learned that Doha was not Iowa. There, she fouled in all three attempts in the final round of the competition. Now, a foul is when your foot goes outside of the throwing ring or you have some other technical violation. She didn't throw one throw that counted in the medal round. Now, the next year, having worked all year in relative obscurity and even poverty, she went to the U.S. trials in Eugene, Oregon. There, she took 12th, only throwing 185 feet, a distance she exceeded in practice all the time. She had worked so hard, and her lack of success was, again, unexpected. Now, what do you do when unexpected things come your way? What happens when you have expectations, but for whatever reason, those expectations are not met? How do you keep moving forward? Well, you could take a lesson from Loggy. She saw each unmet expectation as another chance to learn and focus on getting better. So when it came time this year for another attempt to make the U.S. team and go to the World Championships in Budapest, Loggy was prepared. She qualified at the U.S. Track and Field Championships in Eugene, and I was there and saw her throw. She is impressive. She took second, a silver medal, behind Val Allman. Now, Val Allman won gold at the Tokyo Olympics and was a seven-time All-American at Stanford University. She regularly throws at close to record distances, so Val and Loggy traveled this summer to Budapest to the World Championships. Everyone, including Loggy, knew that Val was the favorite to win the event. In the first four rounds of throwing, Val was in the lead with each of her throws at about 64 meters. Loggy's first throw was a foul. She started to think that this championship may be a repeat of the one in which she fouled out. Her second throw was only 52 meters, not even close to the distance needed to advance. Then, in the fifth round, something happened no one expected. Loggy stepped into the thrower circle. Up to that point in her life, her best throw ever was about 61 meters. But in the fifth round, on the biggest stage in the world, with NBC cameras rolling, Loggy did something she never expected. She threw the discus 65.46 meters, improving her best throw distance by over four meters and winning the gold medal. When the discus left her hand on that throw, she screamed. 
She knew it was going to be incredible. And when she saw it land, she jumped for joy out of the thrower's area, across the track to the arms of her coach, and celebrated in disbelief. She later said, I don't know if my fairy godmother or my ancestors had a part in it, but I was able to do something tonight that I didn't think was possible. She called her mother and said, I can't believe it, crying to her mom. I said, I can't believe it. Thank God for all. Loggy told her mother, who had watched from home, we did it, mom. I love you. Now, I'm a bit of a track and field junkie, and I love these kind of stories. But I also think there are times in our life when, like Loggie, after we've tried and tried and worked and worked, when we've fouled and stumbled, and when the market shifts and people change and even let us down, and our expectations have gone unmet, then in those unexpected times, if we use it to help us get stronger, we can do more than we ever thought possible. And sometimes, like Loggy, when we fouled out and spent years not reaching our goals or we're behind someone else who's better at what we're trying to do, to really believe that we can rise to throw or do or be at our personal best. But let's face it, in sports and life and business, it seems that you lose more than you win. But what I've learned is that you become you in the times when you don't meet expectations. It's how you react in those times that sets up your leap forward the next time. And it is in the midst of disruption that we learn what we really can do. As the story goes, once there was a millionaire who collected live alligators, and he kept them in the pool in the back of his mansion. The millionaire also had a beautiful daughter who was single. And one day he decides to throw a huge party. And during the party, he announces, my dear guests, I have a proposition to any man here. I will give $1 million or a date with my daughter to the man who can swim across the pool full of alligators and emerge alive. Before he could even finish his last word, there was the sound of a large splash. One brave young man was in the pool, frantically swimming while the alligators were snapping all around him. The crowd cheered him on. Finally, he made it to the other side with only a torn shirt and some minor injuries. The millionaire was impressed. He said, my boy, that was incredible, fantastic. Well, I must keep my end of the bargain. Do you want my daughter or the $1 million? The swimmer said, listen, I don't want your money or your daughter. I want the name of the guy who pushed me in the pool. It is the push of the unexpected in our life that can show us how fast and how skilled and how capable we really are. And I do believe, like Loggie said when she won the gold medal, that there are angels or fairy godmothers or ancestors who can see the end from the beginning, who are working and praying on our behalf to help us to prosper even when times don't look good. I found that in the midst of disappointment, we often find exactly what we're meant to do. So, if your life is a bit upside down now, or your mood or your feelings are twisted at the moment, or you're afraid or scared of what's in front of you, I would say this. It's a pretty good sign that unexpected good things and increased strength is coming your way. It's a pretty good sign that God is ordering things for you in your life to help you rise, to become better, stronger, and more capable. And what you and I need to do is use this time to get better. So take a minute right now. What are the unexpected things you're dealing with? A setback, a habit, a disappointment? 
My advice is this, embrace it, fully accept it. Decide that this unexpected thing, to give yourself to it, to fully learn what you're supposed to learn from the situation. And like Loggie, the strength you develop during the unexpected will lead you to things you never thought possible. As God said in the scripture, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. We may not see it, but perhaps the very trial we're facing is designed by him who has all knowledge to help us push through to a new talent, to a new way of being who we're supposed to be. Born on the south side of Chicago, Lynn's mother worked for a local rabbi and her father worked in a chicken factory. And throughout her childhood, her less than stellar class scores had her convinced that she wasn't smart enough. In college, she tried, but when she didn't perform well, she left school and drove to California. She knew she was off course from who she could be, and she got a job as a waitress at the Buttercup Bakery. For seven years, she worked as a waitress. She knew she could do more, but her deviated life had become normal. Finally, at the age of 29, she decided to make a change that her life could not continue in its current path. So she asked her parents to loan her some money. They didn't have very much. And the next day, a patron at the restaurant asked her what was wrong. And she explained that she needed to borrow some money. He loaned her $2,000 and then helped find another $50,000 so that she could make an offer on a restaurant that was for sale. Now, to keep the money safe and to earn interest while the deal was being completed, she invested the money with Merrill Lynch. But to her dismay, when she went to get the money to purchase the restaurant, she was told the money had been invested in high-risk options and the market had turned and everything was lost. How could this be? How could this happen? Here she was trying to do something good in her life and now everything she had planned was gone. Now, I don't know if you've ever felt this way, like you've been trying to do some good. You've worked and tried to improve your family or get out of debt or build a business or just be a better person. And in the midst of trying, unexpected things come along. Maybe in your life right now, you're facing something similar. And if so, take a lesson from Lynn. After seeing the investment firm lose all her money, Lynn went to work trying to understand investments. And the more she learned, the more intrigued she became. And she soon realized that she had a good understanding of investments. So she applied for a job at Merrill Lynch and got it. With that job, she said the world started to open up to her. While studying for her Series 7 exam, she realized that the broker who lost her money did so without going through a proper procedure. So while employed at Merrill Lynch, she sued Merrill Lynch and won her lawsuit and recovered her $52,000 and repaid her friends at the Buttercup Restaurant. After several years at Merrill Lynch, she worked for Prudential Securities, then formed her own investment firm. And it was from there that Susie Lynn Orman launched her career in writing and training others how to manage their money. With a current estimated net worth of over $100 million, you have to ask yourself, would any of that happened in Susie's life if she had not lost her money? If the unexpected had not happened? I don't think so. Likewise, you too, in the midst of dealing with the unexpected, you will find the you that is supposed to emerge different than the you you've had before. And if you can see this, then embrace where you are now. Embrace where your business is, because it is this time that God's using to bring you out better than you've ever been before. 
You know, I find it interesting that in almost every story in which we find people rising from the difficult in life to do unexpected good things, it's the choices that they make in the unexpected bad times that matter. Loggy was able to throw her record discus throw because she had been preparing for years. She made choices every day to practice, to improve, and to train. She showed up. And you and I, even in the midst of disappointment, can show up. It was Eleanor Roosevelt who said, Your philosophy in life is not best expressed in words, but it is expressed in the choices you make. In the long run, you shape your life, you shape yourself. It is our decisions that determine our destiny. So, what can you learn while you're in the midst of an unexpected turn in your life or business? What choices can you make today? Because it is when you string a series of days together, in each one making choices for good, when you will see you've become the person who can rise out of the place in which you're stuck. God uses disruption in our life to make us stronger, to make us better. You know, in the 1993 film Groundhog Day, Phil Connors, played by actor Bill Murray, is a self-centered weatherman who gets stuck living the same day over and over again. The day he relives repeatedly is Groundhog Day. Talk about an unexpected turn in life. Well, at first he's confused, but then with no one else aware that he's reliving and repeating the same day, he begins to venture out and take unnecessary risks. He gorges on high-calorie foods. He drives at high speed. He robs the local bank, knowing there are no consequences for his actions because he'll just wake up the next day and start over. In one memorable scene, Connors kidnaps the groundhog, jumps into a truck, and leads the local police on a high-speed chase ending with the truck and Connors and the groundhog all flying over a cliff to a fiery death. Even this doesn't keep Connors from waking up on Groundhog Day again. Connors repeatedly tries with no success to capture the affection of Rita, a television producer. Finding no happiness in his self-centered way of life, he finally explains his situation to Rita, who suggests he use his time each day to improve himself. So Connors takes her advice. He makes different choices. He begins to take positive action, and as a result of different choices in his day, in his mind's eye, he sees himself in a new way. And he starts helping others and rescuing town members from potential accidents, which he has foreseen, and improving his own talents. He learns to play the piano, speak French, and recite classic French poetry. Each day, he begins anew, born again with the knowledge that he had from the day before. And during these never-ending days, he also gets to know Rita and falls in love with who she is rather than how she looks. Each day, he wakes up a new man starting over. Each time, little by little, he is transformed. He finds beauty in other people and the world around him. He learns what true happiness is, and as a result, Rita can't help but be attracted to Phil because inside, he's become truly attractive. When he finally gains her love, he's released from the curse and wakes up on the day after Groundhog Day. He breaks the cycle, moves on, and enters into a new life. But what came out of the so-called prison he was in is a new man, a better man. And I think sometimes God gives us a few challenging days in which we repeatedly feel the same discouragement, wondering why our prayers are not answered like we want them to be, when in fact, he is using that time to build us into a better person. 
For example, I've seen many people learn through divorce. They come out of the experience better people, more humble and better the second time around. They value relationships. They make better decisions. They're not perfect, but the second time is empowering. I've seen business builders who have experienced a decline in their business or the loss of a business partner. They're better prepared the second time around because they had to get better. It forced them to learn new skills, to become a better people person, to organize their day and refine their business concept. Years ago, Warren Bennis and Robert Thomas studied a collection of leaders in a variety of industries and types of endeavors. Men, women, in business, in sports, in the arts, it didn't matter. All of these successful leaders had one thing in common. They were twice born. It means that somewhere along the line, they had paused or been challenged or had to decide to recommit, to re-engage, to do it again. You know, one of the best things about being a grandparent is watching your children experience parenthood for the first time. You get to relive the experiences you had as a rookie parent. You get to chuckle inside when you hear your children overreact to how their children are behaving. Grandparents are much more relaxed because they've been through the ups and downs. The second time around gives you perspective. It gives you strength. It awakens your mind. Of course, the first time around is tough. You don't know what to expect. You can't see the end from the beginning, and it's like the first time on a racetrack. You experience the slope of the turns and hit the bumps in the road and whether whether you can drive close to the guardrail. But the second time around is easier. You've driven the track before. You can anticipate the hazards and you know when to put the pedal down and when to just coast you know what you're dealing with. Twice around parents see the end from the beginning. That's why being the youngest child can be easier than being the oldest. The youngest child gets a mature parent who's been buffeted and bumped around. Twice around parents trust in the child's ability to choose. They know choice enables them to grow. The second time around, parents see how making mistakes can help children learn. They're not running in to save them at every trip and stumble. Most of all, twice-round parents are more likely to get down on the floor and play. They smile more. They hang out. It's when you're just hanging out without an agenda that you really bond with kids. You know, for some reason, first-round parents are often too uptight or too worried about appearances. But twice-round parents care more about what's on the inside than the outside. Perhaps twice-round parents are better because they see the days of parenting are growing shorter. Twice-round leaders like twice-around parents, are patient. They don't need to coerce or manipulate. They're willing to allow things to unfold in their own due course. They build capability in people rather than just demanding results. They avoid time-wasting activities like entrenchment or organizational gamesmanship. And most of all, they have more fun. Twice-around leaders know how to influence. They lead by example, and they build consensus. Twice-around leaders are interested in the potential of the people. They see the world through the eyes of those they lead. They relate to the excitement and thrill that others experience. They realize, as Mac Anderson said, people are like sticks of dynamite. The power's on the inside, but nothing happens until the fuse gets lit. So these leaders light the fires inside their people and help them feel powerful rather than helpless. Twice-round leaders lead from the heart. So let's say a while back you started a business and the start wasn't what you expected, or you've been thrown a curveball or two. You maybe even have lost a bit of confidence, and you wonder if you can begin again. Think about all the advantages that are yours this time around. 
You know the product you sell better than when you started. You've developed skills that you didn't have before. You've learned how to make productive relationships, and you're more mature. So, if you're in a setback in any area of your life right now, remember, it's what you do right now that matters. Each day, you get to decide, will I make choices to take small steps of action that if I repeatedly do, will help me become a stronger person because of what I'm going through? And if you choose well, you will find that your record throw, your better self will emerge from this setback that you're in, and you will have strength that you didn't have before. You know, in the scripture, it tells us that God gives us weaknesses, setbacks, to help us be humble. Because when we're humble, we see the need to change, to work, to rely on Him. And in this state, we grow. And with that growth, we develop the strengths that enable us to overcome. And this is the pattern that God uses to help us become better. Next, you know, I've learned in the midst of my own disappointments that I'm tempted sometimes to give up or just put away or don't think about the difficult things I'm facing or I lose energy to keep going. But I've also learned that if you stay with it, if you keep the faith and use your every day to keep composing the life God wants you to have, you will find your life will become beautiful. But I've learned if you stay with it, if you keep the faith and use your every day to keep composing the life God wants you to have, you will find your way. Author Ernest Newman noted, the great composer does not set to work because he is inspired, but becomes inspired because he is working. And I've learned this is true. The inspiration to how you will rise from your struggles or persevere in a difficult market or circumstance comes to you as you remain consistent in what you are doing. The truth is that every problem does introduce a person to him or herself. We often don't know who we really are until we must work through the difficult in life. In the scripture, we read of God taking the children of Israel through the wilderness for 40 years after they're freed from slavery in Egypt. And it was in the wilderness that they became the fathers and mothers of generations to come. It was there that they became who he wanted them to be. John Maxwell said, I've never known anyone who said, I love problems, but I've known many who have admitted that their greatest gains came in the middle of their greatest pain. You know, actor Dustin Hoffman, talking about his and other actors' early days in their careers, said, if anyone had told us that we would have been successful, we would have laughed in their face. We were anything but successful actors in those days. I was a waiter. Gene Hackman was a mover, and Robert Duvall worked at the post office. We didn't dream of being rich and famous. We dreamed of finding a job. It was a time of terrible rejection. We hated being rejected. It got to the point where we used to leave our 8 by 10s at the door of a casting agent, knock and run, just so we wouldn't have to be rejected face to face. It was so discouraging that I seriously considered quitting and becoming an acting teacher at a university. But I suspect. It was the struggle and those days of working and being discouraged that made these men great actors. And the same is true for whatever you are trying to do. Remember, every problem does introduce a person to him or herself. And maybe you've been given the problem you're facing because God is trying to help you see the real you. I've learned that everything looks like failure in the middle of a struggle. But as John Maxwell said, you have to know who you are to grow to your potential. But you have to grow 
in order to know who you are. And it is the unexpected that enables us to grow. So, as you take a look at your own life and the unexpected setbacks or challenges you're facing right now, embrace them. Fully accept them. Choose inside these unexpected times to give your full self to learning what it is you're supposed to learn from what is happening to you. Then choose each day to get stronger, better, smarter, and more faithful. And your day will come when you step inside your figurative throwing circle and throw, do, show more than you've ever thought possible. And you will be stronger because you spent time dealing with the unexpected in your life. Embrace the unexpected. As we end today, remember that each day is a gift. It doesn't matter if that day is a day in which your life is going perfectly or a day in which your life is going imperfectly. And if it is imperfect, I'd wager God is doing a work inside you to make you better, to help you become who he wants you to become. So keep the faith. Stand your ground. Live your Groundhog Day and use those days to become the real you. And if you do, I'm certain the throw of your life, the work of your life, the good things in life are coming your way as you embrace the unexpected. Most of all, thanks for being here today. And don't forget to join us next week as we learn to open our eyes to who and what we can become. <laughs>